that fits into anything. Um, well, guys can get in fights, and they can make up really quick. And uh, didn't take much for Ho- Lloyd and Harry to just mend their friendship. We're talking about authentic friends. Today we're looking at a guy's friend. And uh, guys are, are very, very different than, than ladies in the way that we approach friendships and relationships. And so today we're going to have some fun just really looking at the difference that, that you see between um, men and women and our approach to, to friendship. There is a listening guide if you'd like, you can follow along on it. But we, <clears throat> the word authentic, just to kind of remind you, we're defining authentic as the real thing. Not a fake, not an imitation. But when you found something to be authentic, you know you can trust it. It's trustworthy. It's not a copy. A friend is just someone who simply desires good for you, you know, versus an enemy. An enemy wants harm for you. They, they want to see you go down and fall. Um, an acquaintance really, you know, could care less what happens to your life. But a friend is someone who really wants good things for you. So an authentic friend is, is trustworthy people who desire good for us. And it's really important that we understand um, the difference between friends, enemies, acquaintances, because God wants us to connect with people who, who we would call friends. Last week we talked about authentic friends in the commitment, in the committed marriage relationship. And, you know, like I said, we're going to be looking at guys' friends this week. Next week we're going to be looking at uh, ladies' friends. And don't worry, I'm not going to be um, the only one speaking up here. I, I'm going to get some expert eyewitness advice and uh, help. And so I'll have an eyewitness, you know, assistant up here with me, helping me work through that message next week. But, but I, I know guys as a guy, and I want to look at just what makes, um, you know, what makes our relationships work. Um, this may help some of you ladies, too. If you're trying to understand uh, a man in your life, just you scratch your head wondering, what in the world is he thinking? How does he, I don't, I can't understand how, how he does life like that. Maybe this will help clarify some of those things. And at the end of this message, we're going to just try to talk about how to form friendships for, uh, for men. So before we really launch into the, the guy side of things, just want to look at friendship in general. Friendships are this. They are part of God's plan for life. God has, has his own ideas on how life works. And so he has told us, he's communicated to us in the scriptures, like an owner's manual, for, for relationships. He's told us how to build healthy friendships, healthy relationships. We don't have to wonder. We can go to the source. God himself will communicate his truths to us about real life relationships. And what you find out in the Bible is that friendship is a major part of God's plan. And according to the Bible, friends do a few things. One is friends help each other in difficulty. Um, they help each other when things get rocky in our lives. In, in one of the books in the Old Testament where the author is dealing with somewhat the philosophy of life, and he's just looking at you know, what he's learned through his observations of living, the book of Ecclesiastes. In uh, chapter 4, verse 10, you, you learn something about friendship. It says this, it says, If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. This, this word fall, it actually literally means you have got tripped up you've fallen down either you have done something that has created the fall like you've made some bad turns and you didn't see a pothole was coming and you fell in in a a pit or 
someone may have come behind you and pushed you down, or someone may have planted a trap for you. Um, but this word fall in Hebrew really talks about, I caused something that created this fall, or someone else caused me to fall down. And in those times when we get tripped up in life, the role of a friend is to help. Help each other back up in difficulty. Um, this isn't just talking about necessarily physical falls, but can be applied emotionally too. You know, emotionally when we just, when we go down, when we hit the deck, and we feel like there's just no way I can pick myself back up and move on. That's what friends are for. Friends, that sound like a song. That's what friends are for. And that, that's the truth, though. Friends are there to help each, help us out. You know, that's when we need them, is when we've got tripped up. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this. It says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's possible to have friends who, who are actually closer than even our siblings. Now, um... If you're in a family, when, when things go bad in your family, it's kind of your part of being in the family to help out, isn't it? You know, if, you're an innocent, if, you're, if you're just a bystander and your family is really struggling, um, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're kind of ignoring something that's obviously you need to pay attention to. But what this verse is talking about is you know, some of our friends, we can have such depth in our relationships that they can even be closer to us than as if they were a family member. And that's something maybe that right now you may not have. Maybe right now you think, oh, none of my friends really, I think, would come alongside me and help me when I fall down or when I get tripped up. Um, others of you here, you might have that already. You might have some friends that you know when you, when you hit problems, they'll be there. They're, they'll be calling you. They'll be seeing what's going on. They'll show up at your house. Maybe you didn't ask them. They just know, hey, I need to be there for these kinds of situations. Um, but friends are there to help us out in difficulty. Another thing is, friends also tell, they tell each other the truth. This is across the board, men and women. Friends tell each other the truth even when it hurts. Even when it's painful. Um, Proverbs 27.6 says, is key verse, says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. That word trusted, the, the Hebrew means, it means to support or to be faithful, meaning like you can build something on a trustworthy, on something that's trustworthy in this way. A friend that, that, that is trustworthy, I can, I can rely on what they're saying. I can build things on what they're saying that's concrete versus an enemy. Look at the verse. It says, you know, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. An enemy multiplies. Why would an, animal, why would an enemy multiply kisses? What does that mean? Well, it, if you're having problems in your life, you, you know, you're, you've hit a real problem and you're going on and, and you're really the key to your problem, like you're actually causing the problem, your enemy is going to come alongside you and say, you know what, it's not really your fault. You know, you're, you're just fine. You're doing, you're doing great. Why? Because they want to see you suffer. Enemies want to see you harm. And so... If you're the source of the problem, they'll just continue to multiply kisses. They'll keep flattering you. You're doing fine. I wouldn't worry about it because they want to see us go down. That's what this verse is saying. Or if you're about ready to make a decision, your enemy knows it's a bad idea, and they see you about to approach this decision, they say, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let them go ahead and do what they're doing here because, again, they want to see pain in our lives. That's, that's the role of an enemy, to bring us harm. But real friends, 
you know, they're saying, they'll come up to you, they'll see the problem, and they'll say, you know what, I'm looking at your problem from the outside, and it looks like you're the major source of this problem. They'll be honest with you. And they'll say, because you're doing this and this and this, you know, this is, this is really your fault here. You're the one that needs to change some things. Enemies, or I'm sorry, friends will be honest. They'll tell you the truth. And you know what, when someone comes up to me and says, you know what, Josh, you're the source, you're the cause of this problem, that, that kind of hurts. It's a wound. But you know what, I can trust those kinds of wounds because it's coming from a friend who's reliable, who, who has my best interests at mind, in mind. Again, you're about to make a big decision, and or you're all pumped up about it. You tell your friends, and, and then you know, they, they pop the balloon. And initially you think, man, this is like, you know, this hurts. But those wounds can be trusted. If you, if you value, which we all do, we all value our future. We all value our well-being. We want to pick friends who are trustworthy. As we go down the road for the years to come, we want to make sure we've got people in our life who, who we can count on their advice. And so that, that's the, the second thing is, you know, friends tell each other the truth. Another thing is friends are also emotional anchors. Emotionally, they stabilize our lives if we'll have friends. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loved at all times. All, meaning you know, any time you can think of, the good, the bad, when we're, when we're rich, when we're broke, when we're, when we're just coasting by. You know, friends love us at all times, not just whenever we've got a lot of stuff. You know, not whenever we're feeling great and our emotions are great and we're easy to be around, but friends love us at all times. They're in our lives in the emotional ups and downs. When things are raging in our lives, they don't bail. They're with us. That's a real friend. As a matter of fact, psychologists will tell you that friendships, they buffer or they smooth out stress and they reduce depression in our lives for both men and women. Friendships help kind of take the rough stuff out when we hit stressful points. Um, if you've got a good circle of friends, then you, know, you tend to experience de- depression a whole lot less than those who are isolated from others. And you know, I see a few people nodding their heads because that, that's really the truth. If, if you only have one friend or if you have no friends, let's say you do have one friend but they live in, um, you know, they live in needles and there's no cell phone reception. And uh, well, you, you tend to be a pretty depressed person. The depression really sets in. You really struggle. Because God, he, he wired us as people who need relationships, who need authentic friends. He's made, again, this is part of his plan, a major part of his plan. Another thing is friends also add delight to life, the scripture says. It adds a richness, a sweetness to our lives that we can't get just by isolating ourselves. Proverbs 27.9, it says, Oil and this is in the Amplified Bible. It says, "Oil and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a friend's counsel that comes from the heart." This was written in a time where, if you wanted to to get oil, if you wanted oil, then you actually had to get olives, and you have to press the olives and squeeze the oil out. Or if you wanted perfume, you know, you had to have the right mixture. You had to have just the right mixture to make perfume. And making oil and perfume is a very, very expensive thing. And so it wasn't something easy to come by. You know, they didn't have stores like Walmarts where they could just go get those things. It was extremely expensive. And so in the same way, just like the smell of perfume and how it just it, it freshens the smelliness of our world, friendship can just add a tremendous amount of 
pleasure and delight to our life if you've got real friends, authentic friends. Studies say this. Studies say that women with more friends are physically and emotionally much, much healthier and they live longer. Um, We're going to look at that next week in in more detail. Um, But, you know, friendship is just really good. Not only for women, friendship is good across the board. I've got some things that came from an article in the International Herald Tribune. Here's some studies and what they showed. There was a 10-year Australian study, and it revealed that older people with a larger circle of friends were 22% less likely to die during the study period than those with fewer friends. You know, again, just you, you live longer. People with friends have been found to have fewer colds. Now, this isn't something you find necessarily a verse in the Bible, although the Bible talks about relationships and health. But in, in, you know, in secular studies, what they do is they're able to pick up things that the Scripture talks about because this is talking about, the Scripture is talking about reality. And then psychologists... And others, researchers, they come along and they study reality and patterns and they see these things. Well, yeah, people with friends have fewer colds. You would think just the opposite. You'd think, you know what, the more people I know, the more people I'm around, the, the more likely I am to get sick. Isn't, isn't that true? But in fact, studies have shown that friendship actually does something to our immune system, which is, again, God, God-wired friendship to be a blessing, not just in the relationship, but systemically for our whole life. Another thing, in Sweden, there was a study of over 700 middle-aged men. And they studied these men and they found that the men having friendship reduced their risk of heart attack. And so, if you're a middle-aged guy, you've got a choice. You know, Our choice is lighten up, be a good friend, or heart attack. I mean... I want, I want, you know, I've got bad um, cholesterol in my genes, you know, and so, uh, but, so I don't want to make things worse by being a bad friend and by isolating myself from myself from people. But, but, you know, we think, we tend to not think this way. We tend to think that friendship has nothing to do with our health. We tend to think that's totally separate. So we exercise. And, you know, those are good things. You know, I'm not saying that. Just be a great friend and forget about everything else in life. Um, because there's certainly other factors. But God intends that real, authentic friendships be a blessing to you. Some things about guys, though. Let's look at this area of guy friends. Guys do, got, guys do friendship in a guy way. It's a profound statement, isn't it? This is how we are. We're simple and, and, and we, we need it cut and dry. We do friendship in a very guy way. Men tend to have fewer friends than women, especially close friends. If you just study, you look at groups of men, we, we tend to have fewer friends, especially best friends. So men, you really, you know, we need to make more of an effort to develop, make sure we're developing a circle of friends. It's really important. Uh, men's friendship tends to be segmented. We tend to have segmented friendships. Uh, we have friends in different parts of life. So, you, you know, you've got friends at work, you've got friends maybe at church, you've got friends that you hang out with when you play a certain sport, maybe you've got your friends that, that are in your neighborhood. And you know what? Most of those friends probably don't all hang out. And this is one difference from, from ladies. Ladies tend to have a circle of friends that all tend to know each other. Now, it's not always the case, but that, that tends to be more of a, a lady thing. Guys tend to just have segments. These are my buddies over here. 
These are my buddies over here. These are my buddies over here. They don't necessarily know each other. Um, men's friendships also tend to be activity-centered, you know, centered around particular activities. We'll look at that in a second. Also, of different kinds. Again, this is for your, your benefit, ladies, so if you could just understand men. Um, activity friends. We have buddies that maybe you play golf with. Maybe you've got a workout partner if you're a guy. I used to have a group of friends in college that all we did was we'd go and play home run derby together. And it was this random group of guys, and I didn't relate to most of them outside of that activity. But that's what we did together. And if you're a guy, you probably know what I'm talking about. There's just certain things you do with certain groups of guys. And convenience friends, we have convenience friends, where the relationship is based on somewhat an exchange of favors. You help each other out. Your friend comes over to help you with your vehicle, and in turn, you go work on his computer because you know computers. Or he helps you build a fence, and you help him break in an animal because he knows that. There's just there's these convenience friendships. I, have a, I once helped a neighbor put out a fire in his truck. Now he comes over and he helped me put in a basketball hoop. There's just, I didn't necessarily ask him to do that, but this is the way that men are when we, when we help each other out. There's not necessarily a sense of obligation, but a, there is some sort of a, I, I want to respond in some way to my friends. There's also mentor friends. Men, men tend to, typically this is a younger man trying to learn from an older person. Uh, maybe coaches, former teachers, you know what I mean, just People that we look up to who are further down the road. Ladies have different kinds of friends as well, but it's not, they don't do relationships in the same way. Um, here's one of the main differences about women. Women do friendships by sharing about themselves. They share information about themselves. You know, they talk about their emotions. Here's how I'm feeling, ladies. Here's how I'm, here's, here's how the situation is, is um, you know, I don't even know, because I don't even know what you guys say. Again, this is why I need the help. You know, so they're talking about their feelings, their emotions. You know, for us guys, it's like, you know, sometimes you got to. My, my mentor says, a lot of times you got to check for a pulse. You know, he's still there. Yep, he's still there. I mean, he's. You're not sure if 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 he's there. He's not necessarily opening up. But women, they share information. We're we're very diff- different. We don't typically share our feelings. Most of the legends about men's friendships, you know, they center around sacrifice and bravery and courage and just, you know, we're working together to provide some sort of assistance to others like Robin Hood and all these, you know, those legends about men and their friendships. Legends are rarely formed about men who share their feelings with their friends. You know, we don't have any of those stories that that we really watch. They're out there now, but... And just a side note, we, we've hit a time in our culture where we've kind of passed through a door. It's, it's becoming harder and harder to, to look at guys' friendships uh, and, and even ladies' deep, deep friendships in the way that our society used to look at friendships for thousands of years. Probably within the last 15, 20 years, there's just this very sexualized idea about friendship, men and women. And the media puts a real spin on relationships. When there's two men that are close to each other or when there's two ladies that are real close to each other, the media tends to create this kind of homosexual um, feeling or edge to some movies. And um, so the question comes up. If there's two guys in a movie that are close to each other, is there something else going on there? Um, But before 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that was never a question. 
it was understood that men and women, men and men could have deep friendships and, and they were working together on something. They were getting something done together. Same thing with ladies. There, there was not. But we've sort of passed through this door and, and Hollywood has kind of sleazified our view on relationships. It makes it really hard when you're trying to, to build friendships often. How many of you guys saw the movie Lord of the Rings, the trilogy? The Lord of the Rings trilogy. This is a long, long movie based on some books that was written, uh, published in 1950s by a man named J.R.R. Tolkien. And these are fantasy books about a character named Frodo, the key character, and he's got this close guy friend named Sam. And in this book, Frodo, he goes on this very painful and dangerous mission, and Sam, his, his, his best friend, um, he's determined to share in this mission and to help him accomplish his goal. And he sacrifices for his friend. And it's a, it's a tremendous story. It teaches us all sorts of truth. And, but in the movie, as you go through the first movie, the second movie, and the third movie, in the movie there's this kind of a hint of, is something else going, is something else going on there in this relationship? Some of the looks, the way that they look each other. And um, if you type it into YouTube, Sam and Frodo... Uh, you're going to find all sorts of things about their love story and all sorts of you know, movies about people that put up love songs and they kind of have give, created different videos of Sam and Frodo, the way that they look at each other. You know what? That's not in the book. That's not in the book. Who, who's read the book? Is that in the book? No, it's not, it's not even close. Some of you who read it are angry right now that I've even said that. You know? Because these books are totally dedicated to these two men who have a very deep, deep friendship. And they're, they're, they're set on doing what is right. They're set on helping each other out. But, but we've kind of passed through a door, this door as a society, and we look back through the door, and now everything kind of has a distorted view, including men's relationships. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's a story of two friends, a guy named Jonathan and David. Jonathan and David, you find the story in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and Jonathan is a prince whose father, the king, he decides to walk away from the laws of God. And he decides not to follow God, not to obey God. And so God is moving Saul out of his throne. He's going to be taking Saul out. And David, now Jonathan is the prince. He's next in line for the throne. But David, his close friend, God chooses David to be the next king. And Jonathan gets out of the way. He chooses to get, get out of the way and allow his friend to take the throne in a very humbling way. Well, at one point in the, in the story, Jonathan goes to battle with his father Saul, and they die. The king and his son, the prince, they die. And David, when he hears about the death of his best friend Jonathan, he's just broken up over it, because this was his, his closest friend that he had done life with. And there's some statements that, that he had made in 2 Samuel 1, 25-26. It's not on the screen. But it says this, it says, how, this is what David, he, he laments, he's just expressing how he feels about the situation. He says, how the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of, of women. What he's talking about is how men just love to be admired by women. Love to be thought highly of by by women. And for David, his friendship with Jonathan was so much deeper 
than the admiration that he got from, from women. And so, but nowadays when we read this story, again, it, it has this twist to it. Is something else going on there? It's because of the way the media has um, impacted our, our ability to see relationships reach between men. We have a difficult time seeing it. But if you know the story, if you read the entire story, what led up to this point was this just laying their lives down for each other, sacrificing for each other, working together. There's just this real, real authentic friendship that these two men had. They were deep, deep-hearted friends, and David was just broken up over the fact that his, his best friend had died. So I, I just wanted to state that because it's difficult. God really wants men to connect with each other and have these deep, deep friendships. And you might shy away from things because of the slant that the media puts on relationships. And so I just wanted to side note on that to clarify. But men, here's how we do friendships. We do friendships not by sharing information, but by doing something. By doing something. We work on things together. And, and we may not know everything about each other as we're doing these things. I want to show you a video clip from a movie. It's, um, the movie is Open Range. And it's a, uh, it's a cowboy movie with Robert Duvall and Kevin Costner. Two guys are cattlemen. They run cattle. One of them is the boss, and the other one works for, his, for, for him. He's worked for him for a long time. They hit this spot in the movie where they're about to walk into this gunfight together, and they may die. This might be it for them. And so this is the scene where, you know, this is probably the end for them, and so you're about to learn something about the way that men relate. Take a look. Those are the bad, bad guys right there. maker without knowing your given name. Mine ain't Wayne. It's Postal Wayne. Charles Travis Postal Wayne. What's yours? Sure ain't boss. I mean it, boss. I'm asking you straight up. It's Blue Bonnet. Blue Bonnet? Blue Bonnet, yeah. No middle name? No, just Blue Bonnet Spearman. And don't you tell no one. I want to hear you swear an oath. Now go on. I swear it. Just in case. Hey, here's these two guys. And, uh, They've been, they've been riding together for a long time. You know, they've been through some different things together, been through a lot of difficulty, and here they are. They realize, you know what? We really ought to know each other's names just in case one of us dies. You know, the women, they would have taken care of that a long time ago. This is very different. This is, again, men, men don't tend to share information. They do stuff together. 
That's why these kinds of things right here are pretty helpful for us guys. The name tags. You know, because we oftentimes, what's that guy's name? You know, the guy that always does that stuff. We identify each other with our jobs, with what we do. You know, the guy that does, oh, I know who you're talking about. What's his name? I don't know. That guy. That's right. Another thing is, you know, guys can be friends for a long time and you know, don't know each other's names. And they see each other and they're like, hey, man. Hey, guy. I mean, it's totally appropriate. Whereas ladies, that might rub you wrong after um, a while. She's not learning my name. She must not like me, you know. <clears throat> men are just very different in that. Some people say women relate face to face, and men relate side to side. Uh, instead of sharing personal data, men develop deeper friendships by just doing things together, activities, companionship, they work on projects. Men build closeness in the doing. This is how we build a deeper relationship. You know, they do stuff with their buddies, whether it be backpacking, rebuilding their car engines, playing softball, remodeling houses, upgrading computers, playing online games. Closeness is in the doing for men. Men tend to express closeness by helping each other. This is something that men um, thrive on, is, is how can I be a help to my buddies? Um, ladies tend to express closeness by showing affection through what they say. But guys, they want to help each other out. They want to assist when it comes to investment advice. They want to lend a tool I love it when someone calls me and says, hey, you got this tool and I have the tool. It makes me feel like a man. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> and, and, yeah, you know, one guy was grunting there. Affection for men is through razzing and backslapping. You know, that's how you know you're getting close to someone. They give you a hard time about stuff. They razz you a little bit. They backslap. Now, we have to watch this. Sometimes the razzing, sometimes the backslapping can go too far, and we can actually hurt each other. We can hurt friends this way. If you're a dad, you have to be careful. Um, you know, in your desire to raise a man, a little boy to a man, you can ride him too much, and you'll break him. And, and the Scripture says, do not exasperate your children for fathers. And so we have to watch this. Um, but this is, this is how we throw affection, through razzing each other, through backslapping. When men talk, we tend to shy away from sharing real personal, deep things. We prefer topics like cars, like sports, you know, not ourselves and how I'm feeling. One lady, she said this about her husband. She said, he maintained good friendships with guys. They can talk endlessly about whatever computer game is their current obsession. They can spend hours sharing information about the biggest monster that they killed online without once mentioning their personal life, their career, their health, or their state of mind. It's just, that's not necessarily part of the relationship. Men also may be silent for a time. They're okay with silence. They're okay with just sitting there, working on something. Again, let's take a look at another video clip to illustrate this. This is from a movie called Secondhand Lions. And this is two older cousins who've done life together. They're nearing the end of their life. They're old now. And these are two best friends. And, you know, they're, they're old men and their niece drops off their son, who she wants them to turn this guy into a man. She's got ulterior motives as well. Um, so they eventually start working with him, trying to, to help him become a man. But in the scene we're going to look at, these two men, they're sitting on a porch together, and they don't necessarily say anything. So let's just take a look.
Uh-oh. This is what I was afraid would happen. We'll, we'll go without it. Sorry about that. Yeah, that, that scratches at the point. I was trying, trying to get it not to happen. But What you have is you have these two men. They're sitting on a porch. They're drinking tea together. And they got their shotguns in their laps. <laughs> and they're sitting on their porch. They got their tea. And they ain't saying anything. And, you know, time is going by. And this little boy, he's, he said, if we're sitting out, out here on the porch, will we be able to hear the telephone from out here? If my mom calls. The old man says, we ain't got one. Few moments pass. The kid says, "Can I go inside and watch TV?" Ain't got one. Well, what do you do? See, the little boy—he's—he's he's trying to drive the conversation along, but the men—they're okay with saying nothing to each other. And what you see is they just have fun sitting on their porch. Salesmen come up and they pull their shotguns out and they shoot at the, at the salesman. They chase the men off, and they're doing something together. They—they they don't have to talk. Men, men are okay with silence. And this whole idea of silence is kind of confusing. Here's some things about silence. This is a quote from an older man regarding silence. He says, The silence of men in general is over-talked about and over-criticized. To be sure, men never open up as much as women want them to. But there's this wordless understanding in which we function fairly well, especially in friendship. There's dozens of guys whom I count as friends and who do the same with me. Yet months pass without our speaking. And even when we do, we don't. There are dozens of guys, I'm sorry, the push for men to express their feelings presumes that we have feelings. And we do have a few, but they remain submerged. And the airing of them often violates their authenticity. We are as a gender as dull as we seem. One can make us talk counter to our genetic makeup, but it is like training kangaroos to box it's mildly entertaining, but pointless. Now, at the same time, life is better as guys learn to talk. This might be what comes naturally to us, but life goes better for us as we learn to talk and open up. So don't let that be an excuse for you because you're a guy and you can, you can do the silent thing. Don't let that keep you from sharing about your, your experience as a dad, as a husband, your experience as you're walking with the Lord. Don't let your genetic, you know, makeup limit those things. Try to build deep friendships. Here's some, here's some thoughts on how to form friendships. First thing is screen and select. This is what the Bible says. You want to screen and select. Because your friends will shape your life. They'll shape your life. Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. That's the role we play in each other's lives. We can sharpen each other. They are going to, your friends will shape your life, so pick good ones who will sharpen you. The opposite is, it implies that if you pick the wrong friends, they will make you dull. They will take the edge off of your life. And, and you'll pay for it. So you want to screen and select. You want to pick your friends. When you do, you pick your friends, you're out also picking your future. They tell you who you're going to become. Pick your friends, pick your future. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Another version says, suffer harm. Fools, associate with fools, you suffer harm. Your future begins to unfold through your selection of close friends. You want to screen out the wrong kind of friends, the scripture says. 
Angry friends, they pass on their anger to you. You get this from them. Uh, Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. You might want to jot that down. If you're, if you're someone who has an angry friend, write down Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Foolish friends bring you serious trouble. If you pick a friend who's a fool, that's what Proverbs 13, 20 tells us. You walk with the fool, or walk with the wise, you become wise. Fools, you know, a friend of a fool, you suffer harm. Bad company ruins your morals. So the wrong friends will take your life down the tube. You'll go right down the tube with them. And, you, and before you realize it sometimes. 1 Corinthians 15.33 talks about that. Bad company, it corrupts your morals. So you want to pick good friends. I recognized this in college. I was hanging out with a friend who could never take anything serious. He was always laughing. He was always gossiping. And it started rubbing off on me. And before long, I was laughing, gossiping, putting everyone down. I just had a hard time with with what I was saying. I was being influenced. And I recognized it. So I had to try to limit my contact there. But this is the way it works. Friendship works. So screen select. Another thing is trust and verify. As you're, as you're wanting to develop a friendship, you trust a person a little and you see if they're worthy of the trust. That's what Proverbs 14 says. All, most of this is from Proverbs because this is practical advice on relationships on life. So... Proverbs 14:15 says a gullible person believes anything but a sensible person he watches his step. So you trust a little and you verify to see what happens. Go slow. You don't just commit yourself in friendship and then you pay for it, but you trust a little bit and see what happens. Deceptive friends will betray you. You can count on it. Psalm 55, 12 through 14, David the king he's talking about how he was he was deceived by someone who he thought was a friend. And so watch, watch this. Another thing is, if you want friends, then you need to associate. You actually need to get up and you get off the, you know, the couch, shut off the TV, and do stuff with other men. That's how we get to know each other. Proverbs 18.1, He who keeps himself separate for his private purpose goes against all good sense. Guys, we tend to lose friendships when we stop doing activities, when we move away, when we transition out of jobs. We tend to lose. Since we're segmented, we tend to lose those friendships if we transition. And so you need to keep making an effort to build new friends, to associate. We need friends, men. We need good friends, authentic friends who will come alongside us and help us. I'd encourage you, if you, if you have been mulling on this whole small group launch, uh, that, that you'd come and... Check that out tonight. This, the small groups, even though they're mixed, it's men and women in these groups of different ages and stages, within those small groups, if you're a man, you'll be able to get to know some other men who you might be able to connect with. Maybe there's some things you'll, you'll recognize you could do together. Closeness begins to build in those things. So I'd encourage you, if, you, if you're mulling, I'd encourage you to just show up tonight and see if that may answer some more questions you have. The last thing is you can be the friend of God. It's an amazing thought. The one who created the universe, he's invited us to come close to him, to draw close to him, and to get to know him. Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I command. We can actually get to know God, the creator. And if, if you do not know what that means to have a relationship with Christ, please let us know on that welcome card so we can get in touch with you and we can talk with you about that more personally. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and the band's going to come up, and we'll continue in worship. Father, we thank